0: Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. Exhortation by Larson Hicks on May 22nd, Lord's Day service. Our exhortation as we prepare for confession this morning is aimed at our graduates. So as you all find your seats, I'd love to, uh, to have your attention, especially this morning. And uh, you'll forgive me if this is a little bit longer than our normal exhortation, but uh, I think it's important. Um, so our exhortation today comes from um, the Great Commission that Jesus gave his disciples, which we find in the Gospel of Matthew, The Great Commission is a kind of graduation speech. The, the Latin students among you, those, those of you graduates who studied Latin, should, should recognize the, the word disciple, discipuli, means student. And uh, Jesus is called, they call Jesus Rabbi, which we know is the Hebrew word for teacher. So here in the Great Commission, we have the teacher giving his last charge to his students as they're graduating and heading out into the world. When we modern Christians hear the words of the Great Commission, go ye therefore, and disi- make disciples of the nations, we tend to jump straight into evangelism and individual salvation. What we miss in the Great Commission is, is, is that it's really a recapitulation of the mandate that's given by God to Adam and Eve in Genesis. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It's called the creation mandate. So the Great Commission is really a recapitulation of the creation mandate. In Genesis, God makes mankind in his image, and then he puts them in a garden, and on that mountain, he commands them to take the image that they bear and multiply it across the earth, spreading the authority and spreading his authority and dominion. In Matthew, Jesus takes his disciples on a mountain, tells them that he, the new Adam, has authority over all earth and commands them to go make disciples of all nations, multiplying and extending his dominion in all the earth. Obedience to both the Great Commission and the creation mandate will result in a continual expansion of God's kingdom across the planet. Pastor Rich Lust says, quote, in a fallen world, the Great Commission is a means to the fulfillment of the, of the creation mandate, which is more foundational. Jesus is the new Adam, ties them together. He rules the creation, and he rules the nations. It's important to keep them linked. Christians often think of the Great Commission in terms of individual salvation, when we need to think in terms of transformed civilizations, The Great Commission is not just about a narrow form of evangelism aimed at saving souls, but it is about the broadest kind of discipleship that includes all of culture, end quote. So we must remember that the good news, that the gospel is the good news of the arrival of God's kingdom through Jesus, the prophet, priest, and king. It's the good news that the king has arrived and his name is Jesus. Repent and believe. Bend your knee and and pledge your allegiance to the King Jesus. So that's the first point I want to make this morning to our graduate. It's just to echo Christ's charge to you as his disciples in the fullest sense of the Great Commission. Go ye therefore, disciple the nations, subduing the world to Christ, and do so with the authority of Christ as his image bearers. God created the world and wanted to cover it with his glory as the waters cover the sea. He could have done it, any way that he wanted. He could have, he could have done, done this, accomplished this purpose anyway, but he chose to accomplish this by first creating one man and by creating one woman. And indeed, here we are today graduating these seven, I think I counted correctly, seven graduates, each the son or daughter of one man and one woman, many generations downstream of Adam and Eve. You, graduates, are the fruit of the Great Commission, Disciples of Christ, baptized in his name, going forth now into the world yourselves to create more disciples. Praise God. There's a word that I've used a couple of times. We've, we've heard already this morning uh, a couple of times. And, and that word is dominion. And I'd like to dig a little deeper into the meaning of this word. And specifically, I want to contrast the idea of dominion with the idea of domination. So dominion versus domination. One of the typical things you'll hear at a graduation ceremony is something like, graduates, you can be anything you want to be. Well, no, no, you can't. That's a lie. God has given each of you particular gifts, and he's given each, each of you particular weaknesses and limitations. Saying you can be anything is a domination kind of mindset. It's assuming this posture of defiance. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. No one should stop you from accomplishing whatever it is your heart desires. It's a domination kind of mindset. A domination approach to authority isn't interested in limits. It merely wants to bend things to its will. Domination is happy to break things in order to make them fit its desired shape, regardless of the consequences. Marxism, for example, always takes a domination approach, trying to cram civilizations and economies into an unnatural structure that works, the Tower of Babel is another great example. Those who want to dominate fundamentally reject the idea that God has made things for a purpose with a specific and in, in inherent nature. Dominion is different. God made flowers beautiful and fragrant, so we should, dis- we should display them in our homes and, and, uh, and enjoy their fragrance. He made dogs loyal, so we should bring them into our homes for companionship and protection. He made cats honorary, so we should upload hilarious videos of them to the Internet. (laughs) Dominion is going with the grain, not fighting against it. It's discerning the highest, best use of a thing or a person. Dominion is a carpenter looking at a piece of wood and determining if it would be better as a support beam in a house or as a piece of furniture. Dominion looks like a father or a mother identifying a child's gift for music and encouraging him to develop that gift. The first person in scripture that's described as being filled with the spirit is a craftsman who built the tent of meeting and the sacred furniture, including the Ark of the Covenant. His name was Bezalel. God filled Bezalel with his spirit to make him a gifted artisan, a builder, and an engineer. His skill was in discerning the purpose and nature of the materials, stone, metal, and wood, And putting them to their best use by fashioning them into instruments of worship. So when God commands us to subdue the earth, taking dominion of it, this is what he means. The root of the word dominion is domus, meaning house. And the work that faithful Christian parents do every day in their homes to discern the strengths and weaknesses and gifts of their children. And to then fashion them into instruments of worship, disciples of Christ, is dominion taking. This is dominion. This is what it looks like every day. So graduates, you were made for a purpose. God didn't make a mistake with any of you. And he intends for you to discern that purpose. For one, God has made you either a man or a woman. That right there gives you a lot of information about the purposes God has for you and the purposes he does not have for you. Feminism, of course, Uh, has a domination mindset and wants you to ignore the way that God made you. God has also blessed you with a solid Christian education. That wasn't a mistake. It's a particular strength that he's woven into the fabric of your life, and he intends you to use it for his glory. So as you embark on this next phase of your lives, one key aspect of dominion taking will be continuing to discern how God has built you, what gifts he has given you, And what is the highest, best use of your time and talent? How can you turn a profit on the gifts and talents God has entrusted you with? This is a lifelong journey, but the goal over these early years is to try a lot of things. Take risks while you're young and resilient. And to start to hone in on your calling so that when you're older, with the weight of of responsibility and without your current youthful energy, you can spend your life on things that energize you. Things that you feel confident are what God has made you for. I want to close by encouraging you to avoid wasting time in this endeavor of dominion-taking and disciple-making. The world has told you that somehow, by virtue of being a high school graduate, you now deserve a four-year party. That this is a time when you should just be a kid and soak up college youth culture. But I want to propose to you this morning that sanctification is like compounding interest. It's like the compounding interest of a retirement savings account. Your money earns interest, and then over time your interest earns interest, and as that continues, the whole thing starts to snowball. The key to getting a big snowball when it comes to investment uh, accounts is to start early. If you spend the next four years of your life floating on the fun, cush raft of youth culture, you are going to find that in that time, you will have floated downstream. The rigor and discipline of your home and your education was meant to train you to step out into the stream of life and to swim against the current. If you you aren't faithfully paddling upstream, you are floating downstream. The stakes here are actually quite high. I recently heard a shocking statistic about about state colleges. The percentage of college graduates who start uh, as Christians and by the end of college still identify as Christians is lower than the number of soldiers who survived the attack on the beaches of Normandy on D-Day. In other words, it would be safer for the eternal souls of most Christian kids these days to head off and fight in D-Day a D-Day in Normandy than to spend four years at a state college. I believe that you here are better equipped... Then most graduates, for whatever assaults on your faith, lay ahead. As Paul says to Timothy, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Jesus said, To whom much is given, much is required. Each of you has labored diligently through high school, but many others have poured themselves out to bring you to this point. Teachers, pastors, relatives, friends, and no one more than your parents. This dominion-taking and disciple-making is what they have all been preparing you for. I remember as a new dad with my firstborn son, Jed, a stranger at the grocery store asked me what his name was, and I told her that his name is Jedediah. And the lady said, oh, that's not really much of a baby name, is it? Which made me laugh, and I responded, well, no, it's not. Uh, He's not going to be a baby for very long. (laughs) He's going to be an adult most of his life. You graduates are officially making that transition into adulthood, and I want to encourage you not to cling to your childhood. The world wants you to extend your childhood into your 20s and even your 30s now. This is a scheme of Satan to render young adults fruitless at the very time when you have the most energy, the most creativity, the most enthusiasm, and the most potential. Don't fall for it. Embrace maturity. Embrace responsibility. Embrace the calling of a disciple of Jesus Christ. And let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith. Impurity. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at Trinity Reformed That's Trinity Reformed K-I-R-K,